Our reading for today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 8. We'll read uh, verses 31 to 36. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Well, good morning, church. You know, I love me, my, my Lutheran church. Place where you can confidently sing, You rescued me so I can stand and sing. <laughs> Hypothetically, theoretically, spiritually, maybe, but physically, not unless directed. Uh, just as a note, guys, if you ever want to raise your hands or stand or shout amen, you have permission. It's safe in this church. No, I can't promise every church. But in this church, it's fine. Encouraged, even. Um, that's not what we're here to talk about today. So let me get into the message proper. Today, hopefully, if you are at all awake, you have noticed that we are celebrating a festival in the church. What are we celebrating today? Reformation, Reformation Day. Nobody said Halloween. Good on you. Uh, those are the same day on the calendar, by the way right? For the exact same reason. Because he went on the day before All Saints Day and posted the 95 theses so that when all the people came to church on All Saints Day, they could see them. I will go on a rant some other time about how we seem as a culture to have kept Halloween and lost All Saints Day, but that's another talk for another time. We are celebrating Reformation. And uh, about 500 years ago, give or take a few years, there was a movement in the Christian church, a movement to return to the simple truths of Scripture. And to do that, they had to expose and reject layer upon layer of man-made theologies and practices that ultimately made the gospel all but impossible to find in the church. So, for the, for the reformers... They had a few rallying cries. They, they said, Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone, scripture alone. Those were the core values of the Reformation. And in truth, a lot of what Luther and the Reformers were doing through that sort of focus and teaching ran parallel with the same work that Jesus did during his preaching ministry. Think about all the times you heard Jesus say, You've heard it said, but I tell you, well, what's he doing there? The same thing. It's, it's, a, it's a rebuke, right? You've put your faith in these sayings, these teachings of men, but here's what God's word, which is Jesus, says. Well, how come people didn't know? what God's word said. In Jesus' day, 
devout and religious people, which wasn't a small number. This was, you know, a lot of the practicing Jews of his day. They would memorize tons of scripture. They could quote whole psalms. They knew big blocks of the law, right? They could, they could quote it because they memorized it. But almost none of them had a Bible of their own. They were handed down a tradition of religion. I mean, that's not necessarily bad, but it is what it is, right? They're handed down a tradition of religion, and they were taught by very smart and skilled and God-fearing rabbis. But there just weren't many Bibles available in a world where everything had to be copied by hand. I will tell you that sometimes I get irritated if I'm taking notes by hand and I, go to type, and I go to my computer to work with those notes and I have to retype them. I'm like, why can't I just copy and paste this paper onto my computer, right? Can you imagine copying a whole Bible or even just an Old Testament by hand? It's a lot of man hours. It meant that they were rare difficult to come by, and expensive. Now, that same problem persisted for the next 1,500 years or so, but a new problem cropped up as well. It's one I was talking with the kids about a little bit ago. When, when the Old Testament was written, it was written in the Hebrew of the day. When the New Testament was written, it was written in the Greek of the day, it was not written in like the high academic language. It was written in uh, Koine Greek, which is more like what common people would have spoken, right? And then as the, the Roman Empire became Christianized, the Bible was translated into Latin, which was the language of the Roman Empire, right? It's what the, what the citizens spoke. But as history progressed, as cultures changed, as the Bible went more and more places, Rome declined, but the Bible did not. Now the Bible that most recently was translated into Latin is in all these other cultures, all these other places, but only a very small amount of people read Latin, if they read anything at all. It was bad enough by the time of Martin Luther that most priests, didn't read the Bible much. Some couldn't read it at all. Many of them didn't even have access to them, really. Can you imagine that the priest not reading the Bible? And it, get, and it gets worse. Many of the people in charge of the church thought this was a good situation because you don't want to put the word of God in the hands of these grubby regular people, who knows what they'll do with it? They might read it and get ideas. We don't like that kind of thing. Now, Luther, who was a German, he had been working on a translation of the Bible into the common language of his people, the German of his day. And he wasn't the first guy to do this, as I mentioned, but, but he, he did it, and he did it successfully. And he wanted everybody to be able to understand 
because his life had been profoundly changed when he actually read the Bible. He grew up religious, but when he read the Bible, this burden of guilt and shame that he had lived his literally, literally this guy used to whip himself because he felt so bad about his sin. Reading the Bible and discovering the gospel changed his life. And it changed his view of God and all that. It set him free, right? And he wanted everybody to have that. So he diligently worked on a translation that people he knew could read. And something else happened at just about the same time. There was an invention. Anybody know what I'm thinking about right now? The printing press. And so now, no longer do you require people to copy everything by hand. Now, Bibles could be printed by the hundreds or thousands. For the first time in the history of mankind, it was reasonable and possible that people would have a Bible in their own home. Regular people. Not just the fabulously wealthy. Not just the scholars. Regular people. Parents could read it to their children. And you didn't have to just come to church and just memorize everything you could and hope you brought it with you. You could read that Bible every day. There were a lot of really important changes that happened during the Reformation, but th this is the one that I want to focus on today. See, that, that work of translating and printing and distributing the, the Bible has been ramping up it has not slowed down in 500 years. It has gone exponential. As a matter of fact, um, we have missionaries, right? So you think, how many languages is the Bible in? I don't know, because the number keeps going up. And one of the things that missionaries will sometimes do when they go to a people who have a, a, an oral language but not a written language is they'll help them build a written language so it's not a new language, but they're helping them figure out how to write their words down so that they can then hand them a Bible in their language. That is incredible. Right now, you can and should have a Bible app on your phone. By show of hands, how many of y'all have, how many of you have a phone on you right now? Some of you are like, I'm a little afraid to get in the call during church. That's fine. All right. How many of you have a Bible app on your phone? Okay. Most of you. They're free. I can recommend one or two to you if you want. And on that app, you could have a dozen translations of the Bible. Can you imagine how priceless that is? Most people never go anywhere without their phone. Which means that you could have your Bible on you all day, every day. Think about the work of the Gideons for a minute. Y'all know the Gideons? They are so committed to the spread of the gospel that, that they go out and they raise money to print Bibles, to sell, no, they print Bibles to just give away. They, they so believe in the power of the word that they just want to give them away. 
So what am I saying here? Well, I'm saying that in 2023, certainly in America, Bibles are so common and so available that it's sort of easy to take them for granted. I mean, come on. Let's be real for a minute. The, the, the Bible hasn't changed in 2,000 years. Surely we know what it says by now. There's a bunch of new stuff that we got to pay attention to. There, there's like, there's all that AI stuff, and there's like the scary looking war unfolding, and, and there's um, the World Series that's going on, and my Facebook feed doesn't stop, it just goes on forever, and there's like billions, well, I don't know, billions, millions of hours of content on YouTube, and like there's just, there's a lot out there, okay, that I need to pay attention to. It's a little bit ironic, I think, that we have more access to the Word of God than people ever have in history. But does it mean we're in it more? Maybe. Maybe not. Do we value it more? Maybe not. But I think we need it just as much, or maybe more, than ever. We live in skeptical times. Y'all know any skeptics? Maybe you are one. Here's what I think is going on with a lot of people. They know that if I put on this channel... I'll get one version of the news. And if I put on that channel, I will get pretty much the opposite news from it. Well, what's true? I hear conspiracies all the time, and there's debunkers, and there's theories, and they're like, how do I even know what is true? And And there are, there's a large fraction of the people in the world today who have really just given up on the idea of truth at all. They don't really believe in truth as a, as a thing. There's, um, there's their own truth, I guess. But, but if you don't know what's true, what follows after that is a sense of being lost and a sense of being hopeless. Today, maybe not this moment, I hope, but throughout the rest of your day and throughout your week, you are going to be surrounded by people who are feeling lost and feeling hopeless. And you have what they need. You have it right now. You have the solution to hopelessness and lostness. You have the truth 
to a world that doesn't even believe truth exists anymore. This is what Jesus says. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And then you will know the... Come on. There you go. And the truth will what? Thank you. Yes, the truth will set you free. Now, he says, if you abide in my word. I know abide is not a word we use a lot, so let me help you out. Abide does not mean skim. If you peruse my word, no. If you kind of know the gist of my, no, (laughs) no. What he's inviting us to is to live in his word, to stay in his word. In an abode, right, a home, that's where you abide. Jesus is inviting you to make his word your home. This isn't an invitation to study a subject. It's an invitation to live. You know, people think that freedom means deciding for yourself. Deciding how to live, who to love, who you are. And, you know, people's ability to choose those things has only gone up over the past several decades. There's more and more emphasis every day that you need to decide for yourself how to live, who to love, who you are. You got to follow your heart and discover yourself. And live your truth. Your truth? What does that even mean? Here's what I see. As we have gone farther and farther down the road of discovering yourself and following your heart, have people gotten more hopeful or even happier? Why? Don't we have more freedom? If I'm reading Jesus properly, he would say, no, you have less. This is what he says. Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Just like the people Jesus was speaking to when he said those words, Right? Because he said it in response to them saying, we've never been slaves. He said, no, you are a slave right now. Just like the people in that day didn't see it, I think it's the same for people today too. They are enslaved by sin and they don't even know it. We don't need freedom to follow our hearts. I have a sinner's heart. And what it wants me to do It often sounds great, but ultimately will leave me empty and hopeless. We need Jesus to set us free, not free to sin, but to be free from sin. And where do you find that freedom? Who's going to tell you who you are? And who to love? Who's going to tell you the truth? That freedom that we need 
is found in hearing and believing not what you think about yourself, but what God says about you. You know why we're still reading the Bible 2,000 years later? I'll tell you why. Because it's alive. The words on the page have not changed. And they are deep and profound, but we're not reading them 2,000 years later because they're deep and profound. We're reading them 2,000 years later because God is still speaking to us through them. He is speaking into our times. You will read the Bible and go, when was this written? Last week? No, but God is still speaking to you. It is still relevant to your life. It still speaks truth to the world around you. And it's not just to the world of our day. He's speaking into your life in particular. He is alive and speaking to you through those words. They are powerful words. They are transformative. And if we abide in them, then we will be Christ's disciples and we will know the truth. And the truth, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have gifted us with your word, this eternal word that is at the same time not static, it's dynamic. This word that is unchanging, but that changes us, and that never needs updating because it is always for the day. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of the reformers, for the Bible translators, for all the people who have made it possible for us to have a Bible of our own, a Bible that we can read on our own. And Lord, I know many of us, myself included, We just don't read it like we should. So today, Lord, I'm praying for a a fresh hunger, a fresh desire to be in your word. Lord, I'm praying that as we read it, we wouldn't just think about the details or, or think about the interesting things. That's all good, Lord. But I pray that when we open your word, we would hear your voice speak to us and that you would reveal to us through it the truth. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you most especially for Jesus Christ, who is the word and who has set us free. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.